Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week I'm looking for an overrated book to help me our two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Nick, this is usually the part where I shuck and I jive and I try to be like really funny in the intro, like Everybody famously loves it. funny. Everybody really Everybody loves, loves it. Everybody loves when you say but shuck and jive too. That's yeah, that's right. I like it too. Nick, Classic I brought moment. probably the most overrated book in the history of books. It's a book that was written in 1970. It's called Jonathan Livingston Siegel and when I read it the first time, mm. I thought it was a joke book. But it turns out it's, uh, pe- people really Nobody's like it. Nobody's laughing. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> laughing. Oh, by the way, my name is Joe Holshue and I'm a high school oh, English teacher. Oh, hi, Joe teacher. Holshue. Thank you. Uh, my name is Dr. Ian DeYoung. Hello, Litheads. My name is Dr. Ian DeYoung. I'm a high school English teacher. And this week I brought a bunch of bird facts to, oh. pe- pepper, <laughs> to pepper Nick with um, and to disrupt Joe. And uh, I'll just begin with the story of Mike the Headless Chicken, whose head was severed in 1945 and managed to live on healthily as a sideshow attraction for the next 18 months before he got a piece of corn stuck in his windpipe and died. Mike the Headless Chicken. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. All right, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. I've heard of this. I, this I did not know it was what media it was. If it was a book or a movie or a play, you may have heard it from um, Joe Holshue himself, who I believe when we brought the Alchemist, Joe laid into Jonathan Livingston Siegel, kind of his <laughs> kind of his oh. collateral damage. He's like, I don't know their thing. <laughs> Okay, so this is more of less overrated and more of just a hate campaign that Joe has going on. Well, okay. So, yes, it is a hate campaign. It is a sustained hate campaign. However, (laughs) this book, like The Alchemist, is also insanely popular. Like, Mm. The Alchemist sold something like 65 million copies over the course. This book isn't quite that popular. This book only sold, you know, a paltry 50 million copies. Um, Wow. so it's it's got illustrations. Uh, yeah, it has illustrations entirely of seagulls in flight. A lot of photographs. Okay, sorry. Great. Great. That interested absolutely nobody on the planet. <laughs> um, you brought a book a while ago that was about um, uh, a guy who watched a whole bunch of birds and became oh, a bird himself. The peregrine. Yes, that was so good. That book. Yeah, the peregrination. Okay. No, this book isn't like that. Like that guy oh, okay. was like a good writer and was like, you know, was able to capture the essence of what made Peregrine Falcons amazing. Jonathan Livingston Siegel is a book. Well, let me let me give you 30 seconds. OK. When I was in high school, Nick, I was digging in the magazine rack in our family room and I found this book, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. The only thing I knew about it at the time is that it was very, very popular. It wasn't very long. It's only like 100 pages. I think some versions are like 80 pages. Um, And when I started reading it, I thought I must be missing something. The book I was reading was about a seagull, an actual seagull who was in love with flying. And then things got a little bit weird. I finished it befuddled, and then I learned that it sold 50 million copies. So when I brought it this, this week, or okay. when the yeah. theme this week was when the theme this week was overrated books, 
I kept trying to not bring this book. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I tried for so long to not bring this book. And finally, I threw in the towel and I said, OK, I guess it's my sequel week. Um, Joe, Joe, you're a, I mean, you're not as maybe jazzed about books as I am in terms of you'll, you'll be more critical than I like. You're not you're not so equal opportunity joyful, but you also don't really your your criticism tends to be gentle. Um, or like, I didn't love this, but you acknowledge that, you know, it's fine for other people. Like I this get book, why people. Yeah. You're talking, it, right? when you talk about this book, you feel, it feels like you kind of activate a new, you, you go goblin mode, I guess you could say. I think when I read this book the first time, I was so confused. Not confused by what happened in it, right? Like what happens in it is a super straightforward kind of self-help, kind of like manifestation, kind of like believe in yourself parable. But like I was really confused as to why anybody would read it. Like I was confused as to why anybody would like it, why anybody would read it. And then I was really confused as to why so many people would come to love this book. And Mm. it was also something that Seems like it might be just ang- your anger issues or something like that. Is this an issue with... Are you mad at the world, Joe? Well, yes, right, right. Like, are, are you blaming poor Jonathan for the issues? I have a one-star review for you, Joe. Mm-hmm. Don't read this. Go look at a seagull and think about your life on your own if you must. What you come up with will be better than this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Joe, what is this book about? Is it actually about birds? It's about birds. It's about um, seagulls. It's about seagulls. It's not about like... It's, do they have heads? They do have heads. All of them have heads. Um, some of them do transcend into like a non-corporeal state of being a seagull. So like that's that's a little bit weird. Okay. Couple follow-ups there, but keep going. Mm-hmm. So when Ian and I were talking about The Alchemist and our kind of mutual suspicion of it and and then like skepticism of it. Loathing there you said, go. But yeah. Yeah. When Ian and I were talking about like the Alchemist and I started reading around The Alchemist, I was was both pleased and a little bit surprised to see that there's been a really popular backlash against the alchemist. Like when you go to bookish communities and you research the alchemist, like you start reading about it. People are like, yeah, the alchemist is like the worst book. I've Joe ever is reassured read. that people have turned on the alchemist. Yes. He's not alone. There's, there is space for hope for humanity. Well, Joe, there's 8,700 one star reviews. So it's that not does, a, like a big following. Well, <laughs> um. 8,700 one star reviews of, of how many reviews, Nick? And are we talking seagull hmm. books or alchemy books? That's a good question. It's eight, it's 3%. So out of yes. oh. 250,000 reviews. Oh. Um, one of the things I was surprised yeah. by this week is that the overwhelming reaction to this book still is positivity. Like, mm-hmm. like in bookish communities, people talk about this book like it was wildly important. And mm. I'm starting to feel like the entire world is gaslighting me. Like the entire, like all bookish people are gaslighting me. Joe, so I'm going to jump on that gaslighting. Uh, can you yep. step down from your soapbox for a couple of minutes and tell me what this book is about? Okay. I'm going to try to break <laughs> this down for you. And you just let me know when you think it starts to get weird. Okay. <laughs> Jonathan Livingston Siegel is a young seagull. We should um, probably and- warn the litheads that Joe hates this book. So let's go. <laughs> no, he's a young seagull and he's frustrated with the daily squabbles of being a seagull. Like he hates that so much time is spent getting right. food, that they're all thinking about survival. 
when am I going to have time for myself and my bird things that I want to do? Yes. Okay. And the bird things are flying. Like all the other seagulls. I just want to fly. He, all the other seagulls don't care about flying, but like Jonathan is passionate about it. He's a special boy. So, Mm. Yes. So while all the other birds are like catching fish and like, well, like scavenging, Jonathan mm-hmm. Livingston Siegel spends his life exploring the mysteries of flight. He learns to fly faster. He learns to fly farther. He learns to fly more acrobatically. And as Nick, Daft Punk once said, harder, better, faster, stronger. More acrobatically. They also said in that song. Um, and, and he <laughs> and he does it. Like, like he super does it. He, he learns to fly super well. He feels fulfilled, but then he feels sad because the rest of his flock will never feel the full glories of oh, flying because wow. they're concerned this, with the daily minutia of life. So there's layers of the sort of superiority here. Like Jonathan feels superior and then we feel superior to the idiots who like him. Wow. Right, because wow. we, wow. Nick, in case you, you didn't catch it so far, like we are Jonathan here, right? Like we are supposed to identify and we're above the squabbles of the other gulls. Okay, so this bird is better than everybody. This bird's um, better than everybody. Is this, a, how long is this book? Really short. Like okay. I think the version I read was something like a hundred pages, but that included okay. like a bunch of pictures of seagulls that were full page. I'm just curious I, to like how in depth they go with this. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. Well, so this feel what? Well, it keeps going. Oh, there's more like that's. Oh God, I, there's so that much was the more. high level. So what? I mean, after he feels the full glories of flying, okay. he's approached by two angel seagulls, like, like incredibly oh radiant gosh. seagulls. Like he oh. flies super, super high one day. Right. <laughs> yeah. And there's two radiant seagulls there. That's how they're described. Of course. They bring him into a different existence where he will, quote, go higher. I just can't grasp what this possible metaphor is for this book. (laughs) I just don't get it. Oh, Keep going, Joe. I have so many questions. Jonathan goes to Seagull Heaven and it's filled with other (laughs) seagulls. No, what's it called? Is it called Seagull Heaven? (laughs) It's okay. It's not called. Crazy K, can we please put Jonathan goes to Seagull Heaven in our in our intro, please. <laughs> it's not called Seagull Heaven. It's just called like he goes um, home is what they call it. They, they he, like Jonathan goes home. We call we'll call it Seagull Heaven. We they call don't it Seagull in Heaven. the book. Got it. OK. And it's filled with other seagulls who have seen the same light as him. Like it's filled with seagulls who are practicing maneuvers and attaining crazy speeds. And he gets a seagull instructor who explains that only a few lucky gulls ever like pass into this existence. And all the other ones just have to live through the same, like get reincarnated in the same world over and over again. But not Jonathan. Not Jonathan. However, Jonathan still feels the need to go back to his planet, his existence, and spread the gospel. So Jonathan oh, wow. goes back to Seagull Earth, <laughs> spreads the gospel of flying. Like, the, like this sounds so stupid, Nick. It goes on like this. Like he like does a flying demonstration, and people start calling him like a heretic. He amasses a small group of outcasts, his flying students. They go and do cool flying demonstrations of their own. And some people think Jonathan is a messiah, and some people think that he's a devil. And then his star pupil dies in a flying collision, and like the cycle. Oh. Comp- it's Nick. This book is it's very silly. It sounds I know we're using bird based metaphors today, mm-hmm. but it sounds bat shit crazy. <laughs> so good. my question is this, Joe, 
Tell mm-hmm. me about the author immediately. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The author, I don't have a million things about. Like he was okay. uh he, he was a writer. This is where Joe says, no, I won't. No, well, no, no, no. He he was a writer. He was on the t- this book is God, written so. in the late 60s, published in the early 70s. He's kind of on the tail end of like the 60s counterculture movement. Um, he's tapped into this like like spiritualism, self-helpy, like this book is weirdly sure. Eastern at times, right? Uh, where is he from? Is he American? Is he? Yeah, he's an American dude. He's an American dude. He, um, he wrote this book. He, Nick, I'm not, this isn't going to surprise you. Uh, he's from California. Oh, there we go. So, yeah. okay. It's, um, I thought it was just about life now, Joe, but, and maybe it is in some crazy way, but is it about like, it's just about the whole shebang, huh? Is this just this guy's, this, it's his little platform for just talking about life? Yeah, is it's going, his little is platform. Is it going for a theory, a theory of everything? Mm-hmm. It sounds like there weren't podcasts back then. If there were, he wouldn't have wrote this book, right? <laughs> right, right. Get specific here, Joe. Why doesn't this book work for you in your small, small-minded opinion? Because, Joe, you tend, in addition to being more uh, yeah. charitable towards books, Tell you and- also tend to have kind of a, a more optimistic or accepting attitude towards philosophies that aren't necessarily yours. Sure. So, mm. like, you'll, 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 you'll say, um, I see the value in this, in this approach this doesn't rip on Joe enough, this question. Well, this, yeah, this is the <laughs> kindest question ever. Be meaner to so him. So why are you lying? <laughs> I don't know. Part of what I suspected is that the genre is just not for me. Like, this is super new agey and super self-helpy. Like, well, it's 60 years old. <laughs> we, well, one of the How reasons, yeah, new agey. One of the reasons that I bounced off this so hard is because when I read this, it reads as like banal, right? Like it's, it's, mm. it's this silly story about a seagull, right? Silly, I guess maybe is mean, but it's, 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 it's this wacky, <laughs> wacky, wacky, wacky story yeah. about a seagull. But like the truth in it, like the, the self-helpy stuff in it, like the positive thinking stuff in it, it reads as like run of the mill stuff. They made this into a movie. Um, they made this into a movie, which I can't even imagine. It actually, it won an Oscar for editing and Neil and Neil, um, young, Neil young or Neil diamond, which one makes more sense? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh no, which one? Neil, Neil diamond. Not, probably I'm sorry. not Neil young. Yeah, probably, probably not. Neil not. Young. I think this would not be a Neil young vehicle joint. They made this into a movie starring real seagulls. Oh my God. <laughs> It, it was it was blasted. I hate it. <laughs> I would prefer that go into the new bumper. <laughs> they made a movie starring real seagulls. <laughs> huh. But here's the crazy thing. It was nominated oh, for two Oscars. That's not the crazy thing. You're going to add the crazy thing now. Okay, go ahead. Cinematography and film added in. Stunning. Neil Diamond wrote the entire soundtrack for it, and he won both a Golden Globe and a Grammy for it, right? Wow. It inspired an ABBA song. He's it inspired Justin's... It inspired Justin Bieber's first tattoo, which he got at 16 years old. Like, 
Oh, well, there it is. Joe, you should have started with that. Do we think that <laughs> like we just need to attach a terrible celebrity to these like inspirational self-help books and 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 really just like put it into picture here? Because uh, uh, Will Smith and um, the Alchemist, they're like, mm-hmm. you know, connected at the hip and uh, yep. and and the Biebs with yep, the Seagull book. Justin Bieber, he got a Seagull tattoo on his hip when he was 16 years old. So, Joe. I'm going to make you eventually say something nice about this book. Oh, no. Um, an at the very end, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the anti-Tiffany's. I'm curious, okay? Anytime you have something which seems sort of objectively banal, it's either the first one to do it and every other banal p- piece ever yeah, Im- imitated it, or everyone was doing a bunch of drugs. Or Joe's just, he was just being or Joe's negative an idiot. fancy. Yeah, Joe. 250,000. Statistically, said- Joe, you are wrong. Why mm. does this book fail, in your opinion? Because it's trying to do, you know, it's trying to talk about life, right? I would assume here. Yeah. And it works for a lot of people. Why doesn't it work for you? <laughs> and are you really saying <laughs> Joe, that? Joe, are you 250,000 250, minus 87? Mm-hmm. They're all stupid. Yeah. It's not a math podcast. Okay. I think part of the reason that this book distresses me so much is the fact that <laughs> I, I love that. Can we bring yeah. distressing books sometime and Joe can bring this book back? <laughs> the energy here is Joe just incredible. Is still stressed over this book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think part of the reason this book distresses me so much is because I I do slightly worry that I am the wrong one. Right? Like like you said, You're statistically, wrong I'm wrong. Like statistically, yeah. yes. everybody statistically, loves this book. Yes. It also distresses me a little bit because like I'm kind of into new agey self-help stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like you I are. used to watch like I used to watch unironically Dr. Wayne Dwyer as he was dressed up as a Tibetan monk, like giving infomercials on. I, I still quote things to my students Dr. like you are a child of the universe. Dwyer. You know what to do. What kind of cut is this? Doctor, who is Wayne Dwyer? All right. So you like self-help books. So, so then I it's like not the genre. Stuff. You no, blame the genre. Not. It's not the genre. It's not the genre. Get more specific, though. Why, why do yeah. you think work? Is it just like, is it too plain? It sounds like you've heard it a billion times already, and that's why it's just. This is all it can come down to. I think the fable of it, right? Like, I think the the seagull fable of it, like, you know, taking yourself and turning him into a seagull and using like flying as a metaphor, right? And he's flying higher and faster and stronger and all those things. It feels so, so, so stupid to me right (laughs) and i i I wish i could get like more specific than that but like it feels so when they made this into a movie the word i'm looking at quotes right now and all i can yeah it's hard to not it's hard to be serious while thinking of a a pigeon right of course Maybe if he would have chosen a more majestic animal than the seagull. Does Perhaps he talk about that? Or maybe a bird that doesn't fly, that like learns to fly. Like maybe Jonathan Livingston Penguin. Well, no. would be cool. <laughs> I don't. Never mind. That's the fucking bumper right there. <laughs> um, solved. Solved. God, I don't know I just if we can share really go on. Bird. A little bird, bird fact. A place. little bird fact. We need a bird fact really bad. Um, there is a penguin named Pierre who lived at, in San Francisco. And in 1997, he started coughing and um, he got some medicine yeah. and uh, eventually okay? molted. 
he molted and went bald and they gave him a little wetsuit and then they got him to have feathers again. They fixed his feathers. They regrew his feathers. God, do you have pictures of that that you can no. send to me immediately? Unfortunately, there are no pictures of this. There are some pictures of other birds. Um, so these are less bird facts and more birds that have done amazing, amazing things. Inspirational right? bird stories. These are inspirational birds. A different bird that did something in- mm-hmm. inspirational. How did you yes. find such inspirational bird stories? Hey, ChatGPT, can you tell me some inspirational stories about birds? Ian, I want you to know that you've somehow stumbled into a reoccurring uh, thing for yourself to do, (laughs) hopefully every week. But Ian, if you could just keep bringing us inspirational bird stories. I didn't realize this was a a bird fact, a one bird fact per week. Not bird fact. I need an inspiring bird story. What about stories about birds that are kind of like doing acts of crime? Like, like that could be inspirational for somebody. Mm. yeah criminals right so yeah. something for everyone if you're a, a moral upstanding member of society you'll get inspired by the actually inspiring ones to do if the you right, are yeah, criminal the if you're a criminal good news will help you out too so is the bird jesus which i think i think the bird is kind of jesus like he goes okay. to heaven and he comes back and he gets a bunch of bird followers and then the bird followers like spread the gospel and he tells um, them things like the tweet? truth is inside of you <laughs> right does he tweet yeah, <laughs> nice, it's nice, good nice. I think the bird is kind of Jesus, but I think the bird is also kind of you and you're supposed to see like the divinity in yourself and like you're, and then there's obviously the metaphor of like ignoring your social obligations and doing what you love and finding true beauty in that way. I mean, it's perfectly timed, right? This book could, I think, only work in the year 1970. And, and I imagine some of the, some of the, the lasting kind of um, nostalgia is just nostalgia. People, people being a fan of it because... Um, it feels of of an era because it, it hit just at the exact right moment, right. the exact right time. Right. And, may, and maybe, maybe it's, you know, I wonder if it's so, so popular because it's like almost like a synthesis of the 60s or something right. like the ideas Good. that were Good. floating around in the 60s. You know, it's like, oh, we have this new age stuff and right. we have this Eastern culture stuff. But also like we're kind of coming from this like like Judeo-Christian background and stuff yep. like that. And he's like, hey, let me let me bundle that all up into you. You like birds? You like birds? Because I got a seagull that you're going to love. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like looking up quotes to just get a sense of what's going on here. Don't believe what your eyes are telling you. All they show is limitation. Yeah. Look with your understanding. Find out what you already know and you will see the way to fly. This reads like bad Instagram captions, doesn't mm. it? A little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's just because we've seen Instagram captions like this for the last, like, what, 10 years? And we just can't take it anymore. But think about think about how popular that thing is. Like mm-hmm. the the, the yeah. Instagram poetry that's just a sentence with some some line breaks in it. Like Instagram poetry. Maybe like that this. is familiar to some people and they read this and like a whole book of this stuff? <laughs> I thought this only came on my device. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. All right. I think anything else here, Joe, before we just move on? Well, you were going to ask me to say something nice about it, so I do have a yeah. nice thing to Joe, say Joe, welcome about to it. Tiffany's uh, place for you to say something nice about your book for once. Say something nice about the book. I love the story of this book. This book was a sleeper hit. The first run was 3,000 copies, which is nothing, right? It was spread in almost entirely by word of mouth. The guy, um, Richard Bach, took out two advertisements by himself, right? Like got no publishing help or no uh, advertising help from his publisher. Took out two advertisements by himself, just very small ones. 
one in the New York Times Book Review, and one in Publishers Weekly. A year later, they did a second run. So it took them 3,000 copies a year to sell the first 3,000. The second run a year later was 140,000 copies, entirely on word of mouth. It hit the New York Times bestseller list, stayed there for 37 weeks and sold half a million copies. Booksellers didn't know how to classify it. Some put it under nature, some put it under religion, some put it under photography. And the publisher's advice was just put it next to the cash register. (laughs) That's a great line. It's a good line. So I don't love the story in this book. I really love the story of this book. So this is like um this is like that, your, was, uh, that counts your blair <laughs> this is your blair witch project that's made for 15 dollars and it makes several billion absolutely um let Ed's, um the way that you can support our wonderful definitely not vapid podcast is by uh expanding our reach to fit into more people's ears so you can tell bookish friends about the podcast and encourage them to listen if they're into that kind of thing you can like us Rate, subscribe, share on um, the podcast player of your choice, and you can go and follow us up on social media. You can tell us what to do by uh, visiting our website, Tween Vogue. That's T-W-E-E-N-V-O-G-U-E dot com. Still haven't gotten that cease and desist. And by this point, I think they're legally, the statute of limitations is up. Yeah, we have squatters, rights. Absolutely. Um, you can request a book for us to read or suggest a theme for us to do. You can request a sticker and I'll send it to you personally in the mail. All right. He learned more each day. He learned that a streamlined high-speed dive could bring him to find that rare and tasty fish that schooled 10 feet below the surface of the ocean. He no longer needed fishing boats and stale bread for survival. He learned to sleep in the air, setting a course at night across the offshore wind, covering 100 miles from sunset to sunrise. With the same inner control, he flew through heavy sea fogs and climbed above them into dazzling clear skies in the very times when every other gull stood on the ground knowing nothing but mist and rain. He learned to ride the high wind winds far inland to dine there on delicate insects. What he had once hoped for the flock, he now gained for himself alone. He learned to fly and he was not sorry for the price that he had paid. Jonathan Siegel discovered that boredom and fear and anger are the reasons that a gull's life is so short. And with those gone from his thoughts, he lived long and fine life indeed. Oh, when he comes back to Earth, he doesn't die a second time. He he um he like just fades away like a Jedi. 